Christ. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. I uh, recently got back on Instagram. Um, I was off of it for, I don't know, a year or so. Um, I imagine a lot of you are on Instagram. Some of you might not be. Some might not have a clue what it is. Um, it's a social media application that you get on your uh, smartphone. Uh, that's It's actually now owned by Facebook, um, but it's based entirely on images. Um, and so you take uh, photos or post things uh, from your own daily life. And the, the reason I got off of it a year or a year and a half ago was... Um, I just I didn't I felt icky about like what it was doing to me, um, what the image I was putting of myself up there and what I was seeing and the images that I was taking in. But I got back on because uh, I'm the canon for evangelism and I felt like you know I ought to do evangelism in all places, you know the four corners of the universe, including social media. Um, to tell you the truth, that's why I got back on. Um, but uh, and th- so that sort of fast from Instagram has been helpful. Um, but. I still notice this sort of this desire in me to sort of the word is to curate, to curate my identity. Uh, that's what a lot of people do is curate their identity online to put the sort of uh, the best image of ourselves out there. Um, and there's a, a, a model <clears throat> on Instagram who recently um, and she's been on for a long time and she's been curating her identity. You can imagine as a model what her Instagram looks like. Uh, I mean, they're, they're, they're images that are probably airbrushed and, um, and she looks beautiful in them. But recently she decided, I'm not, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going, despite the fact that I'm a model and my career is based on my beauty, I'm going to sort of show the real me. Uh, as you can imagine, she lost a lot of uh, viewers right away who a lot of uh, followers who who wanted to see these beautiful images of her and thought what is this This is ridiculous but she would put things up like uh, there'd be a photo up of her with like nair on her upper lip and she'd write uh, defuzzing monday exclamation mark and there'd be a selfie kind of at a bad angle and she'd write "Uh, when you go to take a selfie but your camera takes a shot before you're ready double chins and all exclamation point um and then there's a, f- a photo of her feet. Thought I'd post you a, a photo before my petty, my pedicure. Anyone who wants to take up running, I'd advise you not to. My toenails are falling off. I have swollen ankles and disfigured toes. Delicious. Always an exclamation point. Um, and then there's just this sort of nondescript selfie of her in front of a nondescript door. And she writes, I just finished an intense two-month psychotherapy session to sort out my anxiety issues. It's been over two weeks since my last panic attack. Depression and anxiety isn't something to hide away from. Get talking, exclamation point. Uh, there's one of her in a doctor's office. The IBS is bad. If you don't know what that means, that's irritable bowel, irritable bowel syndrome. The IBS is bad. So she's like in a like one of those sort of those gowns in the doctor's office. So it's colonic irrigation time. Um, and here's the last one I'll read to you. It's 12.50 like p.m. I still haven't showered or brushed my teeth. And she's holding a cup of coffee. I'm on my second cup of coffee, and I'm going to see how long I can go without caring about my personal hygiene. Um, and so what's happening here is she's sort of breaking the fourth wall of, uh, of Instagram, of life, of social media. You know what the fourth wall is? And 
uh, in theater, there are three walls behind this, or on the side and behind the stage, but there's this invisible wall right here between me and you. Uh, that, you know, when people are on stage, almost as, as if the audience isn't really there, as if there's really just a wall there. And sometimes in theater, they'll break the, the fourth wall and talk directly at the audience. And that's what she's done. Is she's sort of demystifying uh, her life and not just putting these well-curated images of, of her as being beautiful and instead exposes the truth of her humanity uh, and her imperfection, the reality of her day-to-day life. And uh, I bring this up because of Pilate's famous question. What is truth? What is truth? Or you could say, what is true? Uh, But more abstractly, he kind of seems to ask, well, what is truth? As if to ask about epistemology, which is the study or theory of thought. Uh, Or you could say truth. Well, the problem about truth, the real thing, reality, um, the real thing that we ought to believe in. The problem with that is uh, there's, there's, first of all, differences in beliefs, uh, and they're not simply a difference of content, the what. I mean, we can have different uh, differences in beliefs or things uh, that are true. Um, that's the what. But there's also the problem of the difference of how we arrive at the truth, the the how, um, and that's really what epistemology is about, is how do, we, how do we get at this? And so generically, that's what Pilate seems to be asking, is like, what's the content, and, and how do we get at it? What is truth? Uh, and in this passage, we have at least three varying ideologies that might have something to do with content or how we arrive at the truth. First of all, there's the Jewish nation, primarily the, the chief priests, uh, who want to see uh, Jesus Christ crucified. And then there's the uh, R- Roman ideology, uh, which is personified by Pilate, who is of the imperial governance. And so we have his ideolo- ideology. And then there's Jesus. And he says also, and those who listen to me. So three competing ideologies coming together, trying to figure out truth or tell the truth. And still, Jesus makes a truth claim, uh, despite knowing that most of the people there aren't going to get it. Most of the people aren't going to listen to him, and yet he still makes the truth claim. But what is the truth about Jesus Christ? Uh, What truth does he, as he say, bear witness to? Um, Well, he says that he's a king. Um, Pilate's trying to get at that, and uh, he affirms as much. But Pilate, even though they have this conversation, Pilate thinks that Jesus Christ is merely a teacher of timeless truths, that this is just some sort of wise guy who goes around saying wise sayings. And so he finds him harmless. As we read in our passage today, he finds him innocent uh, because he's not really a threat to Rome and their ideology, although the, the Jewish authorities think otherwise. And I want to say that here and now, and even since then, plenty of people have thought that Jesus is innocuous and irrelevant, just as Pilate did, that that's the truth about him. Um, there's the, uh, the, the classic uh, C.S. Lewis trilemma. Have you heard that before? That you can't say, actually, that Jesus Christ is merely a teacher. Because when you read the Gospels, we don't 
get that image. You have to say that he's either a liar, a lunatic, or the Lord. And uh, Bono from U2, uh, the, the band, uh, this is an interview with him by this journalist named Mitchka Asayas, basically kind of gets at the same idea. Uh, Mitchka Asayas interviewing him, this journalist says, Christ has his rank among the world's great thinkers, but son of God, isn't that far-fetched? And Mitchka Asayas is an atheist. And Bono says, uh, no, it's not far-fetched to me. Look, the secular response to Christ, the Christ story always goes like this. He was a great prophet, obviously a very interesting guy. Had a lot to say along the lines of other great prophets, be they Elijah, Muhammad, Buddha, or Confucius, but actually, Christ doesn't allow you that. He doesn't let you off that hook. Christ says, no, I'm not saying I'm a teacher. Don't call me a teacher. I'm not saying I'm a prophet. I'm saying I am the Messiah. I'm saying I'm God incarnate. And people say, no, no, please just be a prophet. A prophet we can take. You're a bit eccentric. We've had John the Baptist eating locusts and wild honey. We can handle that. But don't mention the M word because, you know, we're going to have to crucify you. And he goes, no, no, I know you're expecting me to come back with an army and set you free from these creeps. But actually, I'm the Messiah. At this point, everyone uh, starts staring at their shoes and says, oh, my God, he's going to keep saying this. So what you're left with is either Christ is who he said he was, the Messiah, or a complete nutcase. I mean, we're talking nutcase on the level of Charles Manson. This man was like some of the people we've been talking about earlier. Earlier, they were talking about terrorists. This man was strapping himself to a bomb that had King of the Jews on his head. And as they were putting him on the cross, was going, okay, martyrdom, here we go. Bring on the pain. I can take it. I'm not joking here. The idea that the entire course of civilization for over half the globe could have its fate changed and turned upside down by a nutcase, for me, that's far-fetched. This is Pono. I mean, most of you probably knew that he was a Christian, but I mean, like, oh my God, like the real deal. I mean, I, I could just stop there, right? I mean, he preached the, the, the sermon better than I could. But as I said, C.S. Lewis says it this way, the same, what, and, and Bono's probably basing it on Lewis, that you can't say he's merely just a great prophet and teacher. Sure, we can learn a few things from him. You know, go read the stinking Gospels, and the image you get is him saying, no, I'm the Lord who came here uh, to be crucified. Yes, I'm going to teach some things, but that's not the main point. So he's either a liar, he's either lying about what he says about himself, or he's an absolute lunatic who needs to be locked up because he's going around saying he's the son of God, or he's actually the Lord, the king. And some people go on to say, well, there's a fourth L we can have. This is all legend. And I won't even get into that because if you do the scholarship, that's just simply not true. There's plenty of extra biblical stuff out there that at least tells us that Jesus Christ did live and die. Um, so legend is just, uh, that's actually far-fetched too. Well, in the world now, you know, we're sort of deeply divided across different ideological lines. Um, and so what is truth? Uh, right now, the, the big things happening, of course, have to do with ISIS or whatever you want to call it, uh, Syrian refugees, and that debate, you know, what are we to make of that? Uh, immigration here in the United States, pro-guns, gun control, 
sexuality all over the map. Uh, I recently read something, it was a a quote from an NPR uh, interview where this woman said, in a divided nation, United States, there are only two things that people agree on, Meryl Streep and barbecue. Um, (laughs) And that's probably true. Um, And so, you know, the the, the trouble is uh, that, uh, you know, how, how do we as coming from different places arrive at truth? Um, and uh, one of the troubles with a lot of uh, ideologies and epistemologies is that people simply have too high of a view of people. Uh, they have a high what you call anthropology, um, that basically people are good. Um, and if you have that kind of a, epistemology, it's hard to arrive at the truth. You'll never get at the truth because your view is too high. And therefore, when things go wrong, you'll lack compassion uh, because you'll think, what, what is going on? What's wrong with him? What's wrong with them? You know, can't they just get it together? Or you might just be absolutely maniacal and take advantage, like what's happening right now in the world in places like the Middle East. And so are we surprised by uh, things like what happened in Paris last week? I'm actually not. I mean, I'm not surprised by it. I'm really sad and I'm shocked but I'm not surprised by that because I, I have a really low anthropology, a very low view of human nature. And we've seen this before and we'll see it again. But it's really easy to get caught up in all the politics, uh, all the current events of the world, and have conversations about those things in the abstract and disagree uh, on, uh, along uh, party lines. But what is the truth about you? What is the truth about your mundane and everyday life and existence? What was the truth in Pilate's life at that time? I mean, we read this story and he's just sort of, uh, you know, he's helpful for letting the plot get along, basically. Um, He's almost a puppet. Uh, But what was the real life of this man Pilate like? He's basically a middle manager. Uh, He's a governor of a far-off region for Rome. He's obscure enough that there was very little extra-biblical material about him until eventually found centuries later. And he's trying to control a foreign race with a different creed under his care. I mean, he's probably... I I don't envy his job. He's probably stressed out. I don't envy any middle manager who's trying to control a group of people. Uh, And there's also a power struggle between him and the Jewish authorities. I mean, they're under his authority, but they still have a lot of sway, enough that he's listening to them. And I'll also add this, that there's a a little bit of his domestic life that gets caught up in what's happening here. In Matthew's Gospel, we read, While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him uh, today in a dream. And so his own wife is saying, um, wash your hands of this. I mean, you know, uh, forget about this. And so he's not only got Jesus in front of him and the Roman uh, ideology and the Jewish ideology, but also a domestic dispute. Uh, and so, again, what about you and me? How are we like Pilate, like that middle manager? What's the truth of our, uh, our everyday life? And if you want to understand all of humanity, just just look inside of yourself. Just just take a minute and look inside of your own self. 
when I was growing up in California, Eastern mysticism was kind of a, 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 a popular thing. And new age uh, ideologies are really popular around the United States across the board now. And a lot of new age ideologies say, look inside yourself and find the light, find the truth. But when I look inside myself, I'm a lot like the theologian uh, Rod Rosenblatt, who says the difference between a, a coal miner and a psychiatrist is that the psychiatrist goes deeper and finds darker matter. <laughs> I'll say that again. The difference between a coal miner and a psychiatrist is that a psychiatrist goes deeper and finds darker matter. Well, think about that. I mean, I think that's actually true in my own life. And that is writ large around the world, everywhere, right now, and even the world in which Jesus lived. So imagine that uh, Jesus is the Lord. Just give that a thought experiment. Imagine that he is the Lord and not a liar or a lunatic or a legend. And he knows the, the truth about you, about us, that if we break the fourth wall, remember, uh, what was her name? Stina Sanders. If we break the fourth wall and he sees the reality of our Instagram account, what is the, the Lord of the universe like? Well, uh, I venture to say that he's compassionate. The king of the world, the good news is that he's compassionate when he sees our Instagram accounts that are honest, when he knows the truth about us. I mean, think about Stina Sanders and think about Pilate and the real life of Pilate and what he sees before him. The man who ironically doesn't see truth standing before him. Uh, what, what was Jesus' disposition towards someone like that? Um, and for you, for these people, um, if Jesus is a liar or a lunatic, he's absolutely irrelevant. Uh, but if he is Lord and compassionate and merciful and self-sacrificing, then he's the most relevant thing. Let me read to you another passage from Bono. And this is actually a, a few paragraphs back before what I read. It's clear to me that karma is the very, at the very heart of the universe. I'm absolutely sure of it. And yet, along comes this idea called grace to upend all that as you reap, so you will sow stuff. Grace defies reason and logic. Love interrupts, if you like, the consequences of your actions, which in my case is very good news indeed because I've done a lot of stupid stuff. And then Isaiah says, I'd be interested to hear that. And then Bono says... The difference, that's, uh, that's between me and God, uh, but I'd be in big trouble if karma was going to finally be my judge. I'd be in deep doo-doo. He uses a different word. It doesn't excuse my mistakes, but I'm holding out for grace. I'm holding out that Jesus took my sins onto the cross because I know who I am, and I hope I don't have to depend on my own religiosity. The Son of God who takes away the sins of the world I wish I could believe in that, says Isaias. And then Bono finally. But I love the idea of the sacrificial lamb. I love the idea that God says, look, you Cretans, there are uh, certain results to the way we are, to selfishness, and there's a morality as a part of your very sinful nature. And let's face it, you're not living a very good life, are you? There are consequences to actions. The point of the death of Christ is that Christ took on the sins of the world so that what we put out 
did not come back to us, and that our sinful nature does not reap the obvious death. That's the point. It should keep us humbled. It's not our own good works that get us through the gates of heaven. Well, um, Bono's a lot like me and you. I mean, breaking the fourth wall for him is ripping off the sunglasses, you know. I mean, what is the man really like? And what are you really like? And, uh, and Jesus Christ comes into that mix. And the truth is, if he is the Lord, the point of the death of Christ is that Christ took on the sins of the whole world. As, Christ, as Pilate says of him at the very end of this passage, I find him innocent. And little did Pilate know he was actually telling the truth that this man is the innocent lamb. Uh, the point of the death of Christ is that Christ took on the sins of the world so that we, that what we put out did not come back to us and that our sinful nature does not reap the obvious death. That's the point. It should keep us humbled. It's not our own good works that get us through the gates of heaven, but his, the innocent one. Thanks be to God. Amen.